Hi everyone, my name is Rod Jans, and welcome to a discussion with Andy Park. The music you just heard was a song by Andy Park called Slip Away. And if you know Andy at all and recognize his name, you're probably familiar with him as a musician and one of the pioneers of vineyard worship music. Andy is a lifelong songwriter, worship leader, and teacher who has influenced people in many nations with his songs, books, and leadership. We sat down recently to discuss his newest book called Living in Humility, Following the Humble King. I hope you enjoy our discussion. Now here's Andy Park. Well, I am, I've been a worship leader and a songwriter for decades, and I've been in the vineyard movement for over four decades, and I've traveled all over the world, and uh, I'm kind of doing the same thing I've always done, just taking more steps and leading worship in various churches in the Lower Mainland and doing the occasional international trip. Just did a trip to Mexico for three weeks uh, to three different cities with a team from YWAM base in Montana. So that's kind of it in a nutshell. Yeah, what you've been up to. <laughs> yeah. My next question is, how did the book come about? And I know from our previous conversations that you don't necessarily consider yourself an author. It's almost like, oh, I found myself yeah. writing this book. You know? Yeah, yeah. And so how did you find yourself writing a book on humility of all things? Yeah, great <laughs> question. Yeah, I didn't plan on it. I, a friend asked me in February of 2018, so what are you doing for the next generation right now? Uh, now, of course, that was a question I had addressed dozens of times, and I, I've done all kinds of training events and mentoring kind of plans. And uh, But what came out of it is realizing the biggest thing I've been teaching on in the last years is various aspects of humility in all areas of life, whether it's in your family, in ministry, or towards God. And and so I like to write, so I wrote a book on it. And it's interesting because just in the last few days, I've stumbled upon various other uh, authors who have recently written on this subject. Even though I, I found a lot of resources on humility as I was writing, I heard it said from the host of a podcast out of Biola University called The Table that there's a huge resurgence of writing and research on the subject of humility, both in the sciences and in spirituality in our time. And uh, I found that encouraging. It's kind of like, okay, I'm tuning into something that's relevant in our day and age, in our culture. And so that's that's kind of how the ball got rolling. I just felt like this is what I'm learning, so this is what I can impart. I'm... I'm, I've got tons left to learn about humility, but I think what's in the book is valuable for people of any station in life. So I like your approach. It's like, I have, I, I, rec I recognize I've got, I'm going to write this book, but I've yeah. got a lot more to learn. And you probably realized as you were writing it that you've got way, oh, yeah. a lot more to learn. <laughs> oh, huge. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, but it's like anything else in life. We, we have our little, loaves and fishes and we just give them away and I don't have any kind of visions of grandeur of, of what this book is. Yeah. Otherwise, 
I would be disqualified from writing it, I guess. <laughs> uh, but uh, it'll help some people. Yeah. yeah. It's great. I mean, I, I, you know, from what I know, I'm getting to know you more, and but I've always, from a distance, I've always appreciated about this. And when you came up with a book on humility, I thought, oh, yeah, what better person to write a book on humility than you? Like, because hmm. well, <laughs> I just, yeah. I always felt like your approach to, to ministry and to worship music is is quite humble. I mean, even when I hear what you said you've been doing for the last several months, you know, you've been in Mexico and you've been leading here and you led worship with with Wimber and all of that kind of stuff, but you you're still very you still have a very simple humble approach to what you do. So, yeah. Oh, well, thank you. You exemplify it. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. <laughs> So let's 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 dig a little deeper, and uh, maybe you can give us a a bit of a working definition before yeah. we dive in. What what is humility? Yeah, and even that is a really interesting to see how a dozen different people define humility. There's always some overlap, but it's such a huge subject that there's there's a lot of ways to define it. Here's one I got from. The Table podcast from Biola. Spiritual humility is not about debasing oneself, but about approaching everything and everyone else with a readiness to see goodness and be surprised. This is the humility of a child. It's the humility of a scientist and a mystic. It has a lightness of step, not a heaviness of heart. Wow. Can, can you read that again? That's a, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. So it's not about debasing yourself. It's not about looking down on yourself, saying, "Woe is me! I'm a worm." It's it's about having a right estimate of yourself, ne- neither too high nor too low. Not apologizing for your gifts or abilities, but but having an accurate attitude towards yourself in light of God being the giver of all gifts. I mean, I, I expanded on it right there, but sure. but you know, there's I, there's a some so many wrong caricatures that come to people's minds when they hear the word humility, of you know somebody who is just down on themselves. That's just not what humility is. I mean, Jesus was a joyful, powerful person, and he was a humble person. He because he cooperated with the Father, and so. So if you could divide the two major categories of humility as humility towards God and humility towards people. And so uh, let, me, let me share a few things that leading authors throughout history have said about humility. One of them is Augustine, who really makes an enormous statement on humility. He says, almost the whole of Christian teaching is on humility. Uh, it's the summation of Christian teaching is always and only humility, which is, that seems like overboard, right? Because, but when you think about how humility connects to every other trait of a Christian, you know, all of the attributes of love and working with people and following God in difficulty and in success, you realize, wow, Humility, it has to permeate everything we do, our, our attitude in every area of life. Uh, and if you just look at love, 
for instance, you know, the famous love chapter, taking a few examples from that, love is patient. Well, if you're not humble, you're not going to be patient because you want to go first. And you're, you, because you have too high of an estimate of yourself, you, you say, well, I don't deserve to be made to wait, you know, <laughs> and, and, you know, love is kind. Well, the proud are often too self-occupied to be kind and love is not jealous. Well, the proud have a tendency to compare themselves to people they view as in competition with them, right? So if we realize, you know what, anything I have is a gift, then we're free to appreciate all the goodness that we can see in other people. That's that's yeah. been a big one for me lately. I, I yeah, don't know yeah. why. You know how you know how you know how you have these different things that surface, you know? Yeah. And I've realized, wow, I'm 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 a pretty envious person. Like I envy yeah. others a lot, you know. And that yeah. there's an element of jealousy in that too, right? It's just Yeah, and um, I I see it it's just sort of worked into the fiber of my being that <laughs> I want to look good. Yeah. yeah. I want to impress people. I want to have think people think highly of me. It and maybe, you know, co- competition is part of the human condition, mm-hmm. you know. And so the choice to choose the right attitude, it, it, it never ends like it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but there's such freedom when we do make that choice. This author named, um, that's Is it right. Krista Tippett? Yeah. Krista Tippett. Yeah. 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 She, she's a podcaster. She's, yeah, she does yeah, the on being yeah, podcast. That's right. That's yeah, it. She's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she. I love what she said about watching her children, her young children, see the world through eyes of wonder. And every time they go out of the house, taking a walk in the stroller, it's like everything's a miracle. And, and there's an appreciation of all of creation. And, mm. and you know, every new discovery is... Is, is a wonderful thing. And, and yeah, there's, we could talk for a long time just about when, <laughs> when Jesus said, you know, you must become like, these like little, little children. children. Yeah, exactly. I, you know, I think uh-huh. there's many times in which there's a mystery and you have to figure out. It's never overtly stated yeah. in the parable. Here's five steps on how to become childlike. Right. 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 Yeah. Jesus often did that, didn't he? He said, here, you know, yeah, yeah. do this. But, and it seems like impossible. How do we do that? Right. And uh, I think yeah. that's part of the humility, isn't it? That, that, that it's then our job to kind of work that out with God. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. and like with kids, like the more and more you think about it, there are, gee, I can think of about a dozen attributes of little kids that we need to emulate. Like, for instance, when a child is under the age of two, let's say, they are extremely attached to their parent. All, you know, And if they have a, a good mom and dad, they are always checking in, always looking for guidance, always you know, wanting to go near to mom for a physical touch, to get that sense of security. And they're extremely content just sort of following along with whatever their parents are doing. And it, which is a description of abide in me, you know, John 15. It's like, 
I'm listening to the Father at all times and I'm attached to him. Mm-hmm. Like we're the branch, he's the vine, you know? Yeah. And that was my kind of my morning meditation, by the way. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. That's <laughs> was cool. abide, remain yeah. in me, remain in my love. Yeah. Love others. Yeah. And being childlike is an example of that. Like, It's so precious, you know, the young children who they, they haven't become so sophisticated that mm-hmm. they realize there's any competition. Like competition is not an issue. Now, when they get even to three or four, well, that changes, right? <laughs> but the littlest of kids, they just enjoy the moment yeah. and, and they appreciate the goodness of every person around them. And they, they know they are the ones who need to keep learning at every moment. I mean, that, that's one of the biggest, you know, lessons I think we can learn from kids is that, you know, unlike adults, when we get to the point where we think, oh, yeah, I, I understand, you know, I, I got this thing. And then we don't want to be perceived as lacking knowledge, right? Because mm-hmm. we want to be perceived as, yeah, I, I know how that, you, you don't have to explain that to me. You know? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. But the humility of a child is you're learning all the time, constantly from all people around you, and not afraid to admit that you don't know mm-hmm. all kinds of. Kind of, you know. we see that in other religions too that talk about that. You know, like yeah, Buddhism talks about beginner's mind. Yes, you know, yes, always kind of come at things like a beginner, and that you can learn from everyone, and yeah, yeah, and. There's an immense amount that we can learn from God. Absolutely. (laughs) It it makes me think of there's a um, Thomas Keating is someone that I've followed pretty closely. Mm. He was a he was a Trappist monk. But, you know, even into his very old, old age, he's saying, I have to spend more time with God. I have so much more to learn. I have so much more to more to let go of, you know, and here's this really brilliant individual but recognizing it's kind of a childlike attitude and even in into his old age like really yeah. really yeah. do you really have more to learn more to let go of yes and he's saying yes i do you know like yeah. he he really exemplified that i'm letting my shadow side slip away slip away yeah i'm letting go i mean it there is it's a huge issue right in spirituality that mm-hmm. All spirituality involves letting go Absolutely. at all times. Yeah. I can't agree more. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, learning the humble path is all about letting go when life deals you circumstances that you don't like, you never expected, you didn't ask for. And we all experience those things. And, and mm-hmm. in fact, that is. One of my big emphases in this book is is humbling ourselves in the midst of unexpected circumstances and and saying yes to God no matter what's happening. And I in chapter five I use the story of Mary and a very unique story, you know, in in the history of humankind. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's thirteen year old girl or who we assume is a typical. 13-year-old girl who's been raised to worship Yahweh, love God, but is, how can you possibly prepare for a awesome 
frightening angels showing up and giving you this message. And uh, so, in many ways, her story is unlike that of us. Although, you know, there are, you know, profound revelations that we may receive along the way. Uh, but, but the lessons we get from her life are applicable to all of us because she's surprised by what happens. She's frightened, but I, I have to believe that she has developed a predisposition to respond to God and she's already trained herself and her parents have probably trained her to honor God and to walk in righteousness and to uh, be sensitive to what's right and wrong. And so somehow when this angel shows up, even though it, it the idea of <laughs> be carrying a uh, baby outside of marriage, it, that's never been spoken of in history, which had to be shocking and absolutely impossible to understand. It's crazy. It's almost, it's outside of the law and all yeah. kinds of things going on. There. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, it at, is. At the time, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And Somehow, you know, we we don't know what her thoughts were, but, you know, you mm-hmm. wonder, like, did she think, okay, do I even have a choice in this? I don't know. But I, she comes around to saying, okay. I think she did have a choice. That's kind of yeah, one yeah, of the yeah. things that makes it so incredible, really. Right, yeah. right. She probably could have walked away from it. Or yeah. and it, But, of course, God in his sovereign knowledge knew she would respond that way. And yet, that doesn't diminish the fact that she's a human, young teenager who who has the choice. And so, she just went with it, you know, and which is really kind of what it comes down to with so many big decisions in life, you know, when we are presented with an opportunity or a relationship comes along or a job opportunity we can weigh, you know, we're going to have more time and more rational input than Mary did to weigh all of these different options. And yet you go with your gut in the end, you go with what feels right and you dive in like Mary dove into, okay, she had no idea what she was getting herself into and uh, no idea about the agony and the ecstasy of what it was going to be like in the decades to come, you know, for the rest of her life. And and so I know so many, you know, stories of friends and relatives who have chosen career paths, and, you know, most of them, like in middle class, first world, you know, U.S. and Canada, we have the privilege of choosing a pathway in many parts of the world, they don't. At least the, the poor, you know, don't. And and yet, if you have the privilege of education and then you choose a path, it can turn out drastically different than you expected. And, and way harder and all kinds of tough things come, come at you. And so, uh, then we have to humble ourselves to God and to the people around us as we 
navigate our way through whatever journey God puts, you know, in front of us. And, and, uh, uh, and, and so, you know, in Proverbs, it talks about who can understand their own way, you know. It, and so the point it's making is like, yeah, we can do our best to plan, but it's ultimately it's beyond us what is going to happen. And, and so we have to say, okay, God, your will be done. And like Mary said, you know, may it be done unto me according to your will, you know. And in the famous song of Mary, you know, she, she says, my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant, you know. Uh, and, and so, you know, my, even my own story is I, I can see how humility has been required of me at every step along the journey. Like when I went to university, I had no idea once I, when I got out what I should do uh, because I was, I had an incredible growing in God during my university years while I was studying environmental studies. I figured out when I was done that I was going to take a path that had nothing to do with environmental studies. Nevertheless, everything I learned while studying benefited me, right? You know, because I was learning so much about life and how to work hard, how to be responsible, and how to follow God. And so I uh, started on a path of writing songs. Well, that was a unplanned thing that I had never dreamed of doing. I was a shy kid who liked to play guitar in my bedroom, you know. <laughs> and, and I never liked to sing in front of anyone. And then I had a powerful conversion experience. I mean, I grew up as a, in the church, and so I believed in Jesus. But then God made himself real to me, and he propelled me forward. And so he, I was catapulted out of my fear of being in front of people, and I started leading worship, and the songs just came, you know, by the hundreds through the years. And so, and so for a decade, I served in local churches, and, and I had an inkling of God was calling me to a something more significant than just my local church ministry. And, but, it, you know, 10 years is a long time to wait. And, you know, I'm, I'm the kind of person that I like to achieve things. You know, I like to, well, I, I guess like all of us, I like to be in control. And I, it was obvious that I was not in control. It was, it was pretty new at the time, too, wasn't it? It was kind of a little bit groundbreaking what, what was going on at that time as well. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. It, yeah. There was a transition from a different model of church music ministry. And so you would have had music directors, you know, yeah. and, and uh, but people wouldn't understand this at the time. But, you know, the yeah. controversy about playing drums and oh, guitars yeah. in church. And, yeah, like that, yeah. That's in the that's the era, wasn't it? When you yeah. were starting out. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, 1983 was the first time we brought drums into a vineyard Sunday morning. And we said, okay, make sure to play really quiet. And yeah. which actually a lot of churches still do that, but not nearly as many as 
in the beginning and uh, yeah, and but so, continue on. You're talking about your path, and yeah, you know. well, there was no, there's no such thing as a worship pastor, you know. Yeah. As we then became t- more common in the '90s and beyond, and now there there are programs in universities all over North America sure. where you can prepare to become a worship pastor, you know. And so, step by step, I got into this and. Long story short, I, 10 years into it, began traveling around the world with Wimber, uh, who's the leader of the Vineyard Movement, and about a, at the round, around the same time, they started recording songs that, that quickly went around the world, and I was, then it was a regular routine thing, where I was recording songs, and they were putting out more and more worship projects, and the traveling, the big conferences, and the big crowds. It's all of a sudden I was on this big platform. Then it was a new challenge of humility because instead of being like a part-time substitute teacher in second grade classrooms while I was <laughs> waiting for something else to happen, which, by the way, second grade was my favorite grade. I, I had a lot of fun with those kids. But... It just, I didn't think it was my calling, and and I just had to wait, 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 you know, and while waiting, we are formed, you know, into the mm. kind of people God wants us to be, and the world doesn't honor and celebrate people who wait patiently. The world celebrates people who, they're in control of their own destiny, and, you know, and... Yeah. Well, we're not, and, and you know, and we can make all kinds of decisions to, you know, initiate, be intentional about all kinds of things, but in the end, the Lord has the agenda. And as I was, yeah. I, I want you to keep going with your story, but I just yeah. want to throw something in here. As I was thinking yeah. about this today, I was thinking about David, who was more yeah. or less anointed to be king, but he, you talk about being formed. He had a long waiting period. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, was yeah. even persecuted during that time. And absolutely. You know, he, he must have been going, Oh man, like, yeah, uh, what's going on here? Yeah. And, the king's um, trying to kill him. Yeah. 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 And Joe, who and, he is serving. And then I was doing another podcast interview with uh, Matt Atkins and we were talking about Joseph. Okay. And same thing. I mean, yeah. Maybe even a worse situation where he, yeah. He right. waited a long time. Yeah. <laughs> was left to die by his brothers. Yeah. yeah. Incredible. Yeah. In prison, basically. And, and mine weren't that drastic. But I was... It can, I mean, I, but yeah. I, I've experienced that myself. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. The, the, it, it's painful. It's painless nevertheless. You know, it's like yeah, we go, yeah. oh, I wasn't thrown in prison. I didn't yeah. have to hide in a cave. But it still creates a lot of anguish, doesn't it? That ang- but Oh, yeah. But there, it, I, yeah. I totally agree with you. There's a... There's something going on during that time. There's a for, there's yeah. you know changing in our thinking and right. learning about who God is for us. All kinds of things. The things yeah. you talk about in your book, right? Yeah, and for me, just like learning to not be critical towards other worship leaders, competitive towards other worship leaders. I mean, that just continued on, you know, throughout my thirties, and of course, it it's never completely dead, right? Mm-hmm. You you. You learn and you develop habits and patterns and ways of thinking, uh, and so you gradually become more and more detached from competition and, and ego. Uh, but 
you got to get the crap knocked out of you to, <laughs> to you know, uh, I think that's the typical story. I mean, yeah. you just stated it. David and Joseph are great examples. I'm letting my shadow side slip away, slip away. I'm letting your love, oh Lord, shine through me. I'm letting my dark side be overcome by your great light. I will not wait, oh, I will make let your glory shine through me Let your glory shine through me I'm letting my what's, what's an example where you got the crap knocked out of you? What oh, was a humbling, oh, yeah, yeah. a humbling story you can share? <laughs> oh yeah, one of them uh, from the book. It was, it wouldn't have been obvious to many people and but i think it was visible to some and i relate the story of having a boast having a proud attitude and this was i don't know maybe a couple of years into leading at langley vineyard and we had gotten our own building and the church was growing fast and it was getting big fast and for a canadian church anyway and you know, that we're starting to be invited to go other places. And so I remember doing a little bit of worship for a leaders meeting. And I could just feel pride hanging all over me while I was walking to the platform. Nothing I could do about it at that point. I was just, it was a gift that God made me aware of it. And... Just sort of a smug, like, I've got this, you know, and I'm the man kind of attitude, you know. And and so, basically, it leads towards repenting and towards saying, God, like I've prayed a thousand times, purify my heart. Going back to the basics, and, and but nobody had to tell me <laughs> that that was God, it was the Holy Spirit, you know. And another example is, which isn't, I don't think it's in this book, but it, it's in one of my other books. And it was the experience of sitting in a worship concert. It was a, it was a live recording. I think it was in the year 2000. And there were, I don't know, eight or ten different vineyard worship leaders who were taking turns leading songs, and it was became a live record. And I was not a part of it. And I, you know, I had a little bit of an attitude of, well, why, why am I not a part of it? And during the an introductory song, it was like God appeared like this mountain in front of me, <laughs> uh, not in a physically visible way, but it was it was like Isaiah six. It was, woe is me, I am a sinful man, and uh, I, the best way to describe it is like. God was like the Rocky Mountains, and I was this like tiny little pea-sized person. And I was like, who, who was I to like ask? Well, why, why am, why am I not on the stage? And it, it was just an a 
very, very profound knowing that uh, it's not my place to in, assume that I should be a part of anything. It's just, and and so, just went right into repentance there. I mean, I mean, it was like a tidal wave hitting me, you know, and and. Uh, I, I can see it being really heady stuff, you know, like I was around during those days. And so yeah. it's a whole yeah. combination of things. You see, you know, God really, quote unquote, showing up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. like even at that funeral that we were both at the other day, it felt right. there was a moment there. It felt like the roof was going to come off yeah. the building, you know, yeah. and yeah. to kind of go to be a part of that. I can see that being a struggle like. Yes, but it's not yes. you in a sense. It's That's right. it's God and it's a whole combination of all kinds of different factors. Absolutely. I bet it's a struggle for a lot of, of worship leaders. Oh yeah. 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 Oh, it's like and actually I I really fully expected that that memorial service for Joy Best was going to be that way be, yeah. because of then the whole issue of the the person whose life we were celebrating. Mm-hmm embodied worship in so many ways and she was the kind of person that could be in a in a small group and simply by her example of how she was worshiping even though she wasn't leading she actually was leading because Mm -hmm. she was so fully giving herself to worship you know physically emotionally vocally in the whole everything and and then you put five or six hundred people whose hearts are wide open and because they've lost a dear friend or mentor or pastor. Well, it's an automatic recipe for amazing worship. <laughs> and that's what God did. And, and But really, if, if I look back on all the years of and it still happens. You know, you do a conference and, and boom, you know, uh, people come with great expectation and they're paying a bigger cost to be there than just to show up on a Sunday morning. They, they're missing days of work. They, there's a lot of prayer that goes into the event. And then all the worship leader has to do is show up and kind of be responsible. It's not, (laughs) we are not the ones making it happen. And yet, like you're saying, it's so easy to then all of a sudden think you are the greatest thing since sliced bread, you know. And Do you think that's one of the keys to it? Like you've had that phrase, we're not the ones making it happen. Like that's, there's humility in that statement, right? Like that's to... Yeah. To realize that and to yes. remember yeah. that, that we are not the ones yeah. making it happen. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 It's, and you know, we bring our gifts to the table, but who, mm-hmm. who gave us those gifts? You know, and yeah, there's a lot of situations where all you, like for instance, next week I'll be at a vineyard pastor's retreat. Well, I was talking on the phone with one of the other worship leaders and I just said, yeah, you know, all you got to do is start singing. They're, they all want to worship. You, you don't, it's like throwing a match on the, on dry yeah. kindling. Yeah. And so. Sometimes the environment and the people that are present have yeah. some, have a lot to do with it as well, right? Yeah. 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 Now there's many other times where <laughs> leading worship is like, feels like pulling teeth, yeah, right? Sure. Uh, and so. That's humbling in a different way. It requires, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, you feel like 
you're the only one singing sometimes uh, in some small groups, but but it we're so fickle, you know, as humans, we all of a sudden we can go from feeling like weak and hopeless to feeling like I'm I'm the champion, you know, and and so you just learn to keep your head low, you know, you just and you know you see it all throughout history you, and you see outstanding leaders in all sectors of society who figure out that it's something way beyond themselves that enables them to do what they're doing like Abraham Lincoln mm-hmm. is even though he was not a traditional churchgoer he he probably similar to many Christians today who they're fed up with the problems with church institutions, but they honor God and they exemplify Christian behavior in so many ways. I'm not saying it's good to (laughs) stay away from church. I'm not saying that at all. But there's so many people from history, and actually I touch on the lives of several examples of People uh, in in corporate, the corporate world, CEOs who became successful, and a big part of it was their humility. You know, mm-hmm. the the well known book Good to Great talks about that and talks about the success of people who were just they were not like the kind of the big flashy personality. They they were more of the steady, quiet type who had the ability to see other people, see the strengths in other people, and honor and call forward the strengths in other people. And and they had the humility to evaluate themselves. You know, I mean, there's so many stories of famous CEOs who could not recognize when the slope was going down. And they, they couldn't, they were so inflated in their ego that they couldn't see that uh, you're losing it. You know, your company is, you, you, don't, you don't have the success that you think you do. And, that, you know, it's important to say that being humble doesn't necessarily lead you to worldly success, right? You right. Know? And and because uh, I know, <laughs> yeah, I know how my own mind works. I'm always looking for techniques or a little advantage, right? It's like, yeah, okay, if I'm humble, then I'm going to be yeah. successful. However, yeah. as you're talking, I'm also thinking of Moses, who yeah, and we see example of that after example, don't we? In, right. in scripture, and I, I've known people too in, who've been successful in business or have been pastors, or you mention it in your book. You know, called by God to do something that's way beyond them. You yeah, know, similar to Moses, like, yeah, who am I? Like, I can't even talk, and yeah, yeah, uh, and and called yeah. to do something, yes, impossible on the surface, yeah. right? I think I've read so many stories of people that feel that way. You know, mm-hmm. who are calling people that didn't choose to go into ministry, and God called them, and and they couldn't get away from it. You know, and and. It's like God dumps you down this chute. I mean, you do have to agree to go down the chute, but it, it's it's so obvious, you know. And, yeah. But then, your it's your weakness and His strength. It's mm-hmm. funny. I was driving home the other day. I came down that street behind the house, and I saw printed in big letters, professionally painted on there, on this pickup truck, "Weak made strong." <laughs> <laughs> 
and it, it, the it, the truck was in front of the house of a pastor friend who. Oh yeah. And so they said, "Oh yeah, there's <laughs> one of Sam's church members." You know. <laughs> yeah, like agreeing with God. It, that's another definition of humility that mm. I've heard a long time ago. Humility is agreeing with God and recognizing his sovereignty. And you know what? If he sovereignly gives you certain gifts that, at least for a season, might put you in front of people, or make it might make you a good salesperson or might make you successful in some way, then you agree with him and do do your thing, you know. But then if... Like now in this season of my life, and for the last several years, I'm I have a a steadily decreasing visibility, you know, as a worship leader, and so, which has forced me to again embrace humility as a way of life, follow the example of Jesus, and really, it's a it's been a test because. Okay, will I continue to do what I've always done for little or no pay now, even though before I was employed to do it or, or paid good fees to whatever, lead worship in conferences. And, and now uh, I do a lot of volunteer work and a lot of worship leading for smaller churches, and it's little or no pay. And But my because my wife is now employed as a midwife, which she wasn't for all those previous years. It works for our family. And and so God is sovereign. He knows we need money to feed our family. So I acknowledge, yeah, I'm okay, I'm not the primary breadwinner, but God's providing for our family. Mm-hmm. And that in it that in itself is humbling for your typical white North American male who, you know, <laughs> yeah. can, you know, previously maybe, you know, say, yeah, I've provided for my family and, and it's an identity thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so I figured out, you know, okay, let go, let go of all the expectations of my worship ministry is going to look like this and serve where I can serve, serve, mm-hmm. you know, whatever opportunities are given to me keep doing it and I am and I'm enjoying it you know and and uh, you know you find freedom when you let go you find freedom when you realize g- getting small <laughs> and you can find contentment in just taking the next step and um, really you know it's it's a test of is Jesus enough for us, right? And are, you know, is, is it enough for me that God is my reward? You know, and um, like Abraham, you know, he was sent through the wilderness and, and um, as many, many leaders in the Bible were. And at one point God said to him, I am your very great reward. You know, he couldn't see the promise. And so it calls me back. And, and even, even yesterday, last night, God gave me the passage, Jeremiah 2, you know, where it's a very heavy passage where 
God is confronting Israel of forsaking the Lord, and there's 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 no more conscience in the people, and it, the bride to the bridegroom metaphor. It's completely not what Israel is living out, and so God was calling me to again to intimacy and to pleasing Him and being near Him, you know, and mm. and like don't even care what people think don't even care about your reputation that's humility you know that mm-hmm. that uh, you know i i also it's interesting how like you know you mentioned your daily bible reading today i maybe 3 or 4 days ago read the description of john the baptist you know where it says he's the greatest born of woman and yet the least in the kingdom is greater than him which that's another one of those mysterious sayings you don't know what all was intended when that was written but i think part of it is john the baptist was a public figure and so uh but then you if you compare his walk of humility to the widow who is completely in in the hidden place. Mm-hmm. Say a widow who has to provide for her child and is generous to the needy. Well, the way God sees her is she's even greater than John the Baptist. So mm-hmm. I think part of humility is learning to see with God's eyes, you know, and mm-hmm. how how does he evaluate people yeah. Yeah. yeah it's an interesting chapter i've studied that and and spoke about it before but oh I think, yeah. I think it's matthew 10 okay and um you know the sense i got was here's jesus he has these disciples who are wondering how they can be great and so jesus makes this statement here's john the baptist he's one of the greatest yeah. you know alive today i can just see in the minds of his disciples going yeah okay well then let's let's put on these Right, uh, uncomfortable clothes and go right, live. Right. <laughs> like yeah. I can see them doing that, right? Yeah, and that's where Jesus, I think, gives the example of being childlike. Uh huh. You know. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, yeah I think it's it's kind of uh, it's I I kind of feel like Jesus goes, oh, <laughs> yeah. I better I better counterbalance that right, because right, right. I can see the yeah. minds of all the people that are listening. Yeah. So this kind of goes back to waiting, but you you make the statement trust in the Lord and do good. I, yeah. I, I think it's yeah. a good way to, to kind of close up because it is, right. we've talked about some practical things, but this is quite practical as well. And it, yeah. it comes back to a practice that you employed for a while. Do you want to, you want to talk about that? Yeah. Well, I've told the story of, you know, the first 10 years of being a worship leader, uh, volunteering and, and serving and an intern pastor all of it just volunteer. I just had to do what was right. And and I feel like it's the same in this part of my life now where there's there's very few big stages that I'm on. And it's just, okay, God, what do you want me to do next? And uh, actually, at that memorial service we were talking about, the Lord gave me a huge word about lifting up the next generations, which is something, I mean, it's the same subject, 
that produced this book. Same beginning point. Now I'm praying through, okay, how can I serve? How can I work with the people around me, lift up those that are 10 to 20 years younger than me so that they can do the same to those that are 10 to 20 years younger than them, you know? And yeah, and you know, it's just, there's not glitz and glamour. There, There is contentment though. It, if we will just be connected to God and be connected to the community around us. And there's great satisfaction in just being a part of the body and having friends that we can be open and honest with and letting go of, again, my any um, conditions that I'm going to place on God, I'm I'm not going to be happy unless I can have this. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not allowed. Like we're, we're we surrender our rights, you know, like Jesus did, and that's his example. And and so uh, I have a lot of joys in life, you know. And some of the things we think are going to make us happy, like riches and fame, they, they don't really make us happy, you know. And Love, being loved and loving others, that makes you happy and being loved by God. And, and yeah, so I'm just trying to, like it says in Psalm 37, trust in the Lord, do good, dwell in the land, enjoy safe pasture, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. I mean, there, mm-hmm. there's, there are new kind of seasons coming for you know like for me throughout my 60s you know that i can see just kind of emerging over the horizon a little bit so it's just kind of one step at a time and and again not finding my identity and my accomplishments and just trying to genuinely love god and love people i mean it's it's actually very simple and it's it's the basics, but the basics are the most important thing, right? And mm-hmm. if you if you study scripture and you there is a lot of waiting that people are required to do. But like we were saying before, that's how God causes our character to become more like him and, and in in those times of waiting we develop friendship with God. To say a little bit more about this is going back again, but God as the reward. Um, yeah, I think so, th- that's one of those phrases that we throw out, and it sounds wonderful. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah. And maybe you've mentioned it already, but maybe if you wouldn't mind, if you, if, you, if you have any more to say about that, yeah, that'd be cool. Like, yeah, like how does what does that look like, and how does it look now in this life, and then of course there is the waiting for the reward yeah in the next life right right but i mean one of the ways is simply the unsurpassed experience of god's presence you know hmm. which is actually a regular thing for me it's not usually overwhelming but it is actually uh, god makes himself known to me in a lot of different ways whether that's speaking to me through thoughts in my mind, but there's also different physical phenomena that are gentle but distinctly God. 
I, I mean, there. Was talking with a friend yesterday about. Sometimes I know there's an angel in the room, like this room that we're sitting in right now, this studio where I write songs, and and I don't know how I know that, but I I know it's true. And there's there's only one time in my life where I've had an open vision of an angel. It's real. God's presence is real, and. God never wants us to be worshiping an experience. Mm -hmm. It's always, and there's always that temptation. You can see it in church history, people that get off track and they, they become seekers of experiences. But, and, and so I was doing a a teaching, a training evening with maybe 20 different people leading worship a couple of weeks ago. And, I mean, just the sound of the voices, you know, there's no PA system, but pretty much everybody in the room were, they were musical people. So there's, there's a beauty in the sound of a group of people singing together. And this was in a, I don't know, a church that was 80 to 100 years old. And so you, you have this amazing natural reverb. And it, I just said, okay, Everybody realized how beautiful that sounded. And, and then God, ming- the Spirit of God mingles with us as we worship Him. Well, that's, that is a huge reward all in itself. That, that mm-hmm. is an amazing touch point with heaven, right? And so I think there's a re- big reward in close relationships though you know as part of the christian life a huge part of it is having close friends um you know my wife having a close god-honoring friendship and marriage is that's rewarding having close friends that where we are sharing the stories of our lives and that's rewarding and the koinonia, right? right? The, the, the depth of fellowship that you can have that is, it's much more than just plain having social things in common, right? It's mm-hmm. because God, the, a mutual friend, we're following God together. We're grappling with similar issues of life and to know that we're understood and, and is, a rewarding thing, you know, and and to see people being helped uh, in little ways or bigger ways by what I do, that's rewarding. And, you know, to go on a trip and see people actually physically healed, I might not have been the one praying for them, but they are, you know, I get a report back and they, like one pastor emailed me a, a photo of the report from the doctor of like negative, negative, like all of these wow. conditions, you know, that that's a reward. You know, yeah, that, no kidding. Yeah, and, and yeah, and knowing you're, you're doing your little part, right? You're making a contribution somehow and God is confirming it. You know, he, he bears witness with us. He speaks to us in our inner heart to let us know See, this is me, what you're doing right now. I'm in this. That's a reward. You, and it's not 
difficult to believe that A, people are being blessed by it, and B, God likes it. And so there's mm. going to be an eternal reward of some kind for it as well. Mm. You know? and, and so yeah. those are some ways reward <laughs> happens. Well, this is great. Well, thank you for writing this book and for sharing this and for a lifetime of experience and uh, thank you being open about it. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here and to talk about these things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you for having me on. Lord, let your glory shine to me. Oh, let your glory shine to me. I'm letting my shadow side slip away, slip away. I'm letting your love, Lord, shine through me. Yeah, I'm letting your love.